Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. Back in the 1990s, Dr. Bill Thomas was working in homes for the aged in upstate New York. His experiences of the residences was that they were these lifeless spaces except for the people themselves and just barely that. He found that so many of his patients were quiet, sort of spacey and distant, like the hallways that they lined in their rocking chairs. He was troubled by the museum-like quality of their human existence. And he was this 30-year-old inquisitive whippersnapper creative physician. So he came up with an experimental plan. Uh, The idea was to bring animals into the facility. (laughs) Um, Maybe dogs or cats, which he does, and also birds, 400 of them, parakeets, in pairs, and the day that the birds arrive on a large truck, so do their cages. But the trouble is that the cages themselves arrive unassembled. So Bill asks the bird delivery folks what he should do, and they say, how should we know? All they know is that they're leaving those birds at the facility one way or another. So Bill has the idea to take the hair salon and fill it with the birds until they've built the cages. And as they're assembling these cages one by one, someone has to dash inside the hair salon to grab a pair of birds out of the hair salon area, which is surrounded by windows. The residents begin to crowd the area and watch the drama, and they're laughing and pointing. It's clearly a major highlight of their week, maybe their month or their year. And Bill knows immediately even before his menagerie has been fully emplaced at the facility, that his animal outreach is going to make a powerful impact on this place. What Bill understands implicitly, and then he studies this and gets to know it through the eyes of his patients, is that life under the duress of complete routinization is hardly life at all. Complete predictability can, in fact, be debilitating and and soul-crushing. For the residents at this facility, they lacked even the promise of a possibility that someone or something might walk in the door and surprise them. And the resulting mentality was resignation. Resignation that there would ever be a day when they might expect to feel or see or experience something different than the day or the week before, besides maybe the weather outside. So when brightly colored birds began to squawk and flit about this makeshift aviary, it was the very definition of a rupture in their universe in the best possible way. An unexpected rift in routine, an uplift, and Bill knew instinctively that this was going to be life-giving and energizing. He could see it. When I heard the story of Dr. Thomas and the revitalization of nursing homes through animal companionship just about four years ago, I pictured the nursing home where Daniel worked throughout rabbinical school and the sense of relief I felt back then every time I departed that place. And then this story came flooding back to me just this past week when I found myself taking a video of a rather plump squirrel who has been visiting our bird feeder on a weekly basis. A video, friends. 
I was taking a video of a squirrel from inside my house, outside my house window. We named him Squirrel. And I realized then that I was reaching through my house window for a way out of the paralyzing stagnancy of quarantine. It's debilitating sometimes, the sense that nothing happens by chance anymore. Everything is planned. There are no conversations in hallways or over kiddish or cups of coffee. I haven't bumped into anyone at the grocery store in ages because I haven't been to a grocery store in over 10 months. I joke that COVID has robbed me of even my impulse buys because I got used to get the occasional pack of uh, gum at the checkout aisle. But now when I click through to purchase on Instacart, the computer algorithm has already figured out what my favorite go-to repurchases are. Just this last Sunday, it was one of those interminable, sullen epitome of lockdown days, the kind of day that feeds depression. I tried to work myself into some excitement over going to Target where I drive up to have some pre-ordered espresso beans and shampoo put into my trunk, but the gray clouds just wouldn't part from my mind. And then the rest of the family made a plan to get into the car a little bit before sunset to drive out to Point Doom in Malibu. The 18-year-old Israeli Shinshinit, the Shnat Shirut uh, um, visitor, Leah, who is doing her year of service pre-army at Beth Am, she lives with us, so she came too. And we pulled into a sandy cul-de-sac just as the sun touched the horizon. And then off to the south, we saw splashes. It was a pod of whales, tails flicking in the water, glints of great bodies sailing across the blue. It was quick and mighty and awesome. It was totally spontaneous. Martin Buber wrote, the relation between I and thou is only possible in the spontaneity of a timeless now. A meeting remembered is no longer the living relation. In memory, one's former thou has already become an it. In other words, to be in direct relationship with God only happens in moments when we allow the universe to surprise us. We hop in a car and drive towards sunset on an awfully dreary day only to catch a glimpse of creatures below coming to greet us as they travel past our shores. We release birds into our room and we hold our hands up to the glass to smile at the chaos fluttering inside. And it's our willingness to crack a door open and allow surprise to re-enter that lets the light of divinity and hope and faith back in. Now, there are little vignettes about hope and faith in the face of crisis that are peppered throughout the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, of leaving Egypt. The one that you might know well is the story of Nachshon ben Aminadav, the toad dipper, who was willing to be the first to step into the sea even before it split, with the audacious and fantastical hope that a miracle awaited, and spoiler alert, it did. But that's next week's Parsha. Here in Parshat Bo, too, we have a moment of spontaneity and courage. Vayofu et habet batzek, asher hotziu mimitzrayim, ugot matzot ki lo chametz, ki gorshu mimitzrayim, velo yochlul hit mamea, vegam tzeda lo asulahem. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough that they'd taken out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, since they had been driven out of Egypt and couldn't delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Matzah. It's the bread of affliction, and it's the bread of freedom, and it's also the bread of spontaneity. 
As this verse teaches us, the Israelites packed no provisions, and yet they did pack a little bit of dough just to see what might happen, even if that very dough didn't have a chance to rise, even if they didn't know where they would bake it. They packed as if they might live to eat another day. And as Rabbeinu Bachia teaches on this verse, the Israelites didn't ask, how are we going to make it through this vast wilderness without provisions? I imagine them pulling the matzah from their sacks and staring at it in wonderment, realizing for the first time what they'd made. And then later they see in the very next chapter, as we reread the story every year, how we're commanded not only to avoid chametz, but to eat these ugot matzah for seven days every year, and thanks rabbinic Judaism, actually eight, and knowing that it's a reminder of what happens when we're willing to grab at life and embrace circumstances improvisationally, as if we trust that we are loved by an unending universal love sometimes called God beyond our capacity to understand. When we were young once, maybe 25, we celebrated my birthday at a bar in New York City, and my sister-in-law, who's several years younger, she met us there with a large homemade cake. There was singing and slicing, and then the bulk of the cake remained, and as you do, when you are a wild extrovert like I am, we began offering slices of cake to the other patrons in the bar. Can you imagine this in COVID, by the way? We made new friends that night. After all, when you go to a bar, you expect a free drink around on the house at best, but a slice of chocolate cake? Now, that's a story that you tell the next day. We introduced one radically interesting element to the night, and we let the rest unfold. I read an excerpt from a book by Erwin Hoffman, who's a psychoanalyst, in which he explains that ritual and spontaneity, I actually think that's the name of the book, provide an important balance to each other. And it's not possible, it's not, to remain in equilibrium between the two. Nor can you survive a life that's entirely scheduled or fully built on impulse. Life is an exercise in constantly rebalancing the two poles. There's a story that speaks to this and one that came to me, and I'll thank Rabbi Kligfeld for his Facebook post yesterday for reminding me of this. It calls to mind the blessed memory of ball player Hank Aaron Zichronoli Racha, whom the world lost yesterday. Hank was a record-smashing baseball star who spent his lifetime fighting against racism and bursting through barriers. Back in 1974, Hank was primed to overtake Babe Ruth's title as the home run king. He was sitting at 714 when he stepped up to the plate for his Atlanta Braves. Go Braves! Milo Hamilton said that he was, quote, the lucky son of a gun to be the announcer of that game, and that ultimately he let that moment soar on his strong suit. Spontaneity. But Milo was also quoted as saying, I made a mental note not to say, Holy Toledo, because that was my catchphrase. It was his day, not mine. So he had a small plan and a little spontaneity, and together it made a radio call for the history books. But that was then, and today is now. 
and in moments of darkness and duress, and I'll name that the one that we're living in is a moment like that. When spontaneity is shrunken to only the most occasional possibilities, it becomes a precious gem. When you get a little taste of it, a glimpse of wildlife at play, even that first taste of matzah at the Seder, it's delicious. The reminder that the world can still surprise us is life-affirming. I have a plan for the Shabbat afternoon, and I know, by any measure pre-COVID, it's not particularly dynamic or colorful, but I'm leaning into it with everything I can muster. When Shabbat lunch is over, I'm heading over to our north window, the one by the bird feeder, just to sit and watch the urban wildlife pass through the green brush. Maybe, if I'm really, really lucky, the squirrel will even come for a visit. But you can't plan for that kind of magic. Shabbat Shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.